Good news, everybody. Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi solved racism. It took a long time, but they managed to do it. They did it specifically by ridiculously wearing kente African scarves and then making really, really serious faces and then kneeling down. Here is Nancy Pelosi announcing the brilliant plan. For those who wish to, we will now kneel for our moment of silence. Now, in fairness, in Nancy Pelosi's defense, Nancy Pelosi being quiet for several consecutive minutes is the most effective thing she's ever done to improve race relations in America. So that is some good news. Uh, Same goes for Chuck Schumer. Everybody is kneeling these days. Everybody, even the people who didn't used to kneel, everybody is kneeling against America, against the nation. That's a big change. And if we want to conserve our country, we've got to quit talking and we've got to be just like Nancy Pelosi and we've got to take some bold action ourselves. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Lots of kneeling and the kneeling is very, very bad. Uh, We've got a lot to get to right off the top. But first, I've got to thank our friends over at Eero. Eero is Wi-Fi that your home deserves. It blankets your whole home with fast, reliable Wi-Fi. Not just inside, but outside too. Eero extends your coverage so that you can enjoy the nicer weather and get work done from your deck, which these days could be very, very helpful. I love Eero. My favorite thing about Eero is that it is incredibly easy to install. I am a Luddite, okay? I don't understand technology at all. Eero makes it so simple to set up, and it fixes those problems of spotty Wi-Fi or your Wi-Fi doesn't work over here. It's really, really tremendous stuff. Apple HomeKit users, Eero's got you covered with enhanced privacy and safety controls that give connected devices only the permissions they need to do what you want in your home and on the internet. You can get yours fixed as soon as tomorrow. Tomorrow, go to Eero.com slash Knowles, then enter code Knowles at checkout to get free next day shipping with your order. That's eero.com slash Knowles, code Knowles at checkout to get your Eero delivered with free next day shipping. But you must use this URL to receive this offer. Eero.com slash Knowles, code Knowles. Can't get enough Knowles. You know, I think of all the, the fictional characters of the last few weeks, I think my favorite are the peaceful protesters because while Batman might be a cooler figure, the peaceful protesters are just so much more fantastical. They've made a new appearance. This, this in the BBC, an actual BBC headline, George Floyd, London, anti-racism protests leave 27 officers hurt. Okay. That's sort of a a more believable title. Here's how they tweeted out the headline. 27 police officers injured during largely peaceful anti-racism protests in London. That is not possible. That, is, that tweet is a nonsense because 27 cops can't be injured in largely peaceful protests. You, you can't have those things at the same time. From the article, protests on Saturday sparked by the death of George Floyd. Is that true? We'll get to that in a second. We're largely peaceful but were marred later by disturbances outside of Downing Street. You know, they were largely peaceful, the protests themselves, but they were marred. That's unfortunate because they were so peaceful, but they were marred later by disturbances. Not violence, not the people committing the violence. One demonstrator, who was not at Downing Street, saw officers acting very aggressively elsewhere. It was the officers acting aggressively, you see. 
And they shouldn't do that. That's not, not what officers are for. They're not there to use force. They're there to enforce the law. Wait a second. Force and force. Uh, let's not, let's ignore, let's ignore that the entire purpose of the police is to use force for just one second. The majority of Saturday's protests were peaceful, but in the evening there were disturbances outside Downing Street, BBC. Home Affairs correspondent Tom Simmons said the protests were largely over when missiles and fireworks were thrown at a police line. They were thrown, and not by the protesters, just, I, they, they just were thrown. Two officers were seriously injured, including a mounted branch officer who was knocked from her horse when it hit a set of traffic lights while appearing to bolt. She suffered a broken collarbone, a broken rib, a punctured lung, according to the Metropolitan Police Federation. That's not nothing, okay? Those are real injuries. Those are serious injuries. Those were caused by the allegedly nonviolent protests. Now, you can actually see there are a number of videos that came out. The protests got so violent that the police eventually ran away from the so-called peaceful protesters. You can see there's some sort of chaos there. There what people are throwing things at the cops. Cops in America not quite as well armed as or cops in Britain rather not quite as well armed as those in America. Eventually the police are running away as these goons, these thugs, these criminals are throwing objects at them. A lot of problems with policing in the UK. Obviously, they are not armed to do the job that they're supposed to do. But the question here is, why are there protests going on in the United Kingdom over the death of George Floyd? Is it because people in the UK, Brits, just really have a connection to this man in Minneapolis and half, the, half a world away in the United States? I don't think so. I think there's a, a deeper ideological, political rebellion going on here, which we will get to in a moment. The symbol of this protest all around the world, but especially in America, is kneeling down. It's the symbol that Colin Kaepernick has been using for years at this point. Kneeling down specifically against the flag. And you remember when Colin Kaepernick did it, people didn't like it very much. The NFL didn't support it. There were certain players in the NFL who were doing it, but it, it had a really negative reaction. Now that's all over. Now, even the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, is saying, goodness gracious, I wish that we had endorsed the kneeling protest. It was a wonderful protest. I support it now. I kneel with you. We, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. Hold on. Stop right there. That is so brave. Wow. Roger Goodell condemns racism and the systematic oppression of black people. Wow. God, you know, because there are all these people out there who support racism. They're totally pro-racism. They're pro-oppression, but not Roger Goodell standing up such bravery, such political vision. Of course, nobody supports those things. No, but not, not one person. Not one person will you see get on camera with any influence whatsoever and say, yes, I'm pro-racism. Goodell is standing up against a boogeyman. He's standing up against an imaginary adversary because nobody is for racism. Actually, the, the racism that exists, the only racism that exists in this country is the little bit of sin lurking in everybody's heart, right? But no one looks inside at themselves, at their own problems. They always look out at the imaginary boogeyman, evil monster. So then Goodell moves on, gets to his point to support the protests. We, the National Football League, admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier. 
and encourage all to speak out and peacefully protest. We, the National Football League, believe Black Lives Matter. I personally protest with you and want to be part of the much needed change in this country. So pathetic. So totally pathetic. He is completely wrong. He, look, he's right in, the, in some of the words he's saying, right? Nobody believes black lives don't matter. Nobody believes that. Everybody thinks black lives matter. And everyone is pretending that there are a lot of people out there who think that black lives don't matter, but those people don't exist. The Black Lives Matter movement is not based on black lives mattering. There is no systemic slaughter of, of racist cops killing unarmed black men in America. It simply does not exist. We went through the statistics on this show yesterday. We went through them last week as well. Black Lives Matter does a great job at pretending that it's a very moderate, simple group that just thinks Black Lives Matter. That's not it. It is a radical group advocating total revolution in society, including the destruction of, quote, the Western prescribed nuclear family. That's how radical it is. It follows a long line of radical movements that go back all the way to Karl Marx. This kind of argument that, that Goodell is making is actually an argument that conservatives need to consider because it is an argument against the ex, kind of extreme libertarian conservative who takes our respect for free markets to an idolatrous level, okay? Because the market is in many ways dictating Goodell's decision here, right? He thinks that the culture has shifted in such a way, there's an appetite among consumers in such a way that he's got a completely reverse course and now protest the very flag of his own country, a symbol of the country itself. That's the market deciding that, but the market here is wrong. It is wrong to do that. It's disrespectful. It's wrong to lie. It's wrong to, it's wrong to accept premises that are dishonest. It's wrong simply to disrespect one's flag, especially when that flag represents the most just, free, prosperous, equitable country in the history of the world. Until just a few moments ago, even the most radically left people in this country with any influence were anti-flag protest, including the great heralded Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We'll get to that in one second. Then we'll get to a proper response to all this. First though, I have got to thank our friends over at We The People Holster. Uh, you know I love We The People Holster. It's very important to exercise your second amendment rights. And when you do that, you want to be safe. You want to make sure that your firearm is protected. You want to make sure that you're protected. Starting at just $39, We The People Holsters are custom designed to fit your firearm perfectly. And they are made right here in the US of A, which these days with some supply chain questions, that's a, a wonderful thing to know. They have thousands of options to choose from, plus an amazing selection of printed holsters. Their proprietary clip design allows for you to easily adjust both the cant and ride of your holster so that it will fit comfortably and securely at all times. Now is the time to support American companies. I really love these guys. The designs are great and they, they are just perfectly designed to fit your firearm. Go to wethepeopleholsters.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S to get yours. Every holster ships free. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. Plus now, as if that weren't good enough, $39 for an excellent holster, you can get $10 off when you use the offer code Knowles. Now we're down to $29 for an excellent, high quality, really good looking, made in America holster. Not going to beat that anywhere. Satisfaction guaranteed. If it's not a perfect fit, send it back for a total refund. Wethepeopleholsters.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. So now everybody's supporting these anti-flag protests. Until just a few moments ago, even the left 
in this country, even the most famous left-wing jurist in this country was against it. Here's a clip from, I think it's just three or four years ago now. Katie Couric was interviewing Ruth Bader Ginsburg on this topic. And she said, what do you think of the Colin Kaepernick protests? RBG was unequivocal. She said, they're stupid, they're disrespectful, I don't like them. Justice Ginsburg, how do you feel about San Francisco 49ers player Colin Kaepernick and other NFL players who have basically refused to stand for the national anthem? What do I think? I think it's really dumb of them. Would I arrest them for doing it? No. I think it's dumb and disrespectful. Uh, the same, I would have the same answer if you asked me about flag burning. I said, I think it's a terrible thing to do, but I wouldn't lock a person up for, for doing it. I would point out how ridiculous it seems to me to do such, a, such an act. Dumb and disrespectful. That's Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You know, she sounds like Antonin Scalia on this issue. Antonin Scalia used to say the same thing. I, I think his line on it was, if I could throw in jail every scruffy bearded weirdo who burns the American flag, I would if I were king, but I am not king. And that, that's basically RBG's answer. Because no matter how far left leftists used to be in America, it was very rare, very uncommon for them to attack the country itself. And that's what the flag protest is. That's what the kneeling protest is. It's not kneeling about police brutality. It's kneeling about and protesting the Star Spangled Banner, which is the flag, which is the symbol of the country. Okay, but the left has moved radically left. And these latest movements of the last few weeks have accelerated that process. There was a state trooper out there. I actually, I wasn't able to get his name but there's a state trooper out there who was filmed on video talking to some of these protesters, hopefully the peaceful protesters, and he was asked about kneeling. Now, this is a black trooper, and he said, look, I'm here to protect your right to do all this, but I don't kneel for these kind of political protests. I only kneel to God. I wouldn't have took, I'm supposed to be in, out of town this weekend with my wife. I took off today, this weekend, and I'm out here to make sure y'all safe. Okay. Don't go there with respect. Okay. Okay, I have much respect, but I only kneel for one person. And that's God. God, I only kneel for one person, and that's God. I like it. I like this guy's attitude. I like how he talks. I like what he's saying. You might go a little bit broader than that, okay? Because some, you know, I, I think people kneel for other reasons than God, at least sometimes. Like, for instance, if I were in the United Kingdom and I were about to be made a knight, you know, I was going to be Sir Michael someday, a boy can dream. I would kneel down and, you know, I'd get the sword on me. You can kneel for that. You can kneel if you're Catholic or Eastern Orthodox or Anglican. You can kneel in other sorts of prayer, you know, in contemplative prayer. People kneel when they're meditating, for instance. Okay, fine. You could say more broadly, kneeling is a sign of respect, right? And this is what's so weird about the kneeling protests, other than people protesting in their own country, is that kneeling has become a sign of disrespect. The left does this to everything. They invert everything, and they've done it even with the kneeling. So now the kneeling is a sign of disrespect. Where does this come from? I mean, wh where do you get this kind of situation where people are actively protesting their own country? It has been building up on the left for a long time, and our most recent actual left-wing president brought this out in people. His wife, Michelle Obama, uh, was just giving a graduation speech on Zoom for all of America, and she, she explained this kind of left-wing activism, this kind of left-wing character 
which is to stay angry. She did. She said, be angry. Don't let anyone ever tell you not to be angry. She begins by more or less disrespecting and denying the reality of the American dream. But here's the thing. While this period is certainly unprecedented, it is not a complete anomaly, simply some random coincidence to be dismissed. Now, what's happening right now is the direct result of decades of unaddressed prejudice and inequality. The truth is, when it comes to all those tidy stories of hard work and self-determination that we like to tell ourselves about America, well, the reality is a lot more complicated than that. Because for too many people in this country, no matter how hard they work, there are structural barriers working against them that just make the road longer and rockier. And sometimes it's almost impossible to move upward at all. Because if you're required to work during a pandemic, but don't have enough protective equipment or health insurance from your employer or paid sick leave, well, what is more essential, your work or your life? There it is. There's the classic. It's impossible. You can't succeed. America's never going to work for some people. It's interesting that in this clip, she went back to the pandemic because it seems to me that so many left-wing rioters, peaceful rioters, have been ignoring the allegedly extraordinarily deadly pandemic for the past two, three weeks as they've poured out by the hundred thousand to protest, right? But that then at that point, they ignored the pandemic. The public health officials said, it's actually good to go protest. Don't worry about the pandemic. We'll worry about the pandemic later. So it's interesting that she focused on that because it seems so odd. But it's also interesting that she, the wife of the first black president who was elected twice, talks about how America's hopelessly racist, hopelessly unjust. There's no way to succeed. I mean, this is boilerplate left-wing stuff. And, and what they have to do is tell you as Americans that you can't succeed. This place is hopelessly unjust. You are, are simply uh, useless. You can't, you can't do anything on your own because it justifies more and more policies that give them greater control over the country, that undermine our country's political traditions, and undermine your very ability to pull yourself up. That's where she begins. How does she foment the kind of uh, political action that she's calling for? She tells people to be angry. Of you who feel invisible, please know that your story matters. Your ideas matter. Your experiences matter. Your vision for what our world can and should be matters. So don't ever, ever let anyone tell you that you're too angry or that you should keep your mouth shut. Uh, uh, here's my message to the left in America. You're too angry and you should keep your mouth shut. <laughs> That's my, I know it's a different message than Michelle Obama is giving you, but that is my message. The left pushes anger. Because when people get really angry, they don't think straight. Because anger is an easy emotion. It's the, e it's the easiest emotion to play. It's the easiest emotion to live. Drew Clavin says that anger is the devil's cocaine. Anger is the devil's cocaine. It unleashes bad things. In, in Italian culture, we have, uh, especially Sicilian culture, here in America, we have an expression which is don't get mad, get even. Right. The idea being when you're angry, you're not you're not going to be able to control yourself as well. You're not going to be able to think as well. So get even calm down that anger. But the left encourages that anger because that anger makes you more easy to manipulate. 
You can see people running on the absurdity of this anger all the way at some of the highest levels in government. AOC recently used it to humiliate herself. We'll get to that in one second. First, though, I have got to thank our friends over at LifeLock. You know, the April 15th tax filing deadline was pushed off until July 15th. You're probably relieved by this, right? Trouble is, there's a downside. The extension also gives additional time to fraudsters to mine for data that they can sell. So proactive approaches to protection are more important than ever. After all, the Government Accountability Office found that fraudsters used false identities to steal at least $1.68 billion, billion with a B, in tax refunds in 2016. Everyone, every single day, is at risk for these sorts of things. Every day, we put our information at risk on the internet. Cyber criminals around the world keep finding new ways to steal identities. You could miss certain identity threats by just monitoring your credit. Good thing there's LifeLock. Now look, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But with LifeLock, you can see threats that you might miss on your own. I, I trust these guys. These are the guys that I trust to protect my identity. Right now, you can join and save up to 25% off your first year. The way to do that is go to lifelock.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. That's lifelock.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S for 25% off. Get it now because this tax filing deadline is going to keep you vulnerable even longer than you usually would be. Michelle Obama says, be angry, be angry, be angry. Okay, and this clouds people's thinking. The best example of this I saw was AOC yesterday. AOC complaining about how people weren't giving her enough adulation. AOC tweets out, quote, the press secretary, Kaylee McEnany, wouldn't be the first person to mistake a woman of color for having a lower position or title than she does. But Kaylee, in case you haven't picked up a newspaper in two years, I'm a congresswoman. So now, I saw this tweet. I thought, wait, did Kaylee McEnany not refer to AOC by her title? I mean, you know, come on. Insisting on someone using their, your own title is a, a silly thing, and it's a prideful thing to do anyway, especially if you're a congresswoman. But uh, maybe she didn't do it, because AOC went on. She goes, the press secretary comment is steeped in a long, hurtful, and horrendous history of stripping women of color of titles and diminishing them to the help. Perhaps she isn't aware that what she did is mired in racist history. If that is the case, I look forward to her apology tomorrow. I said, gosh, this press secretary, Kaylee McEnany, she is disrespectful and a racist. And oh my, and, and what did she do? The allegation is that, that the press secretary did not refer to AOC as a congresswoman. So is that what really happened? Here's Kaylee McEnany. The president is appalled by the defund the police movement. The fact that you have sitting congresswomen wanting to defund the police, notably Rashida Tlaib, notably Biden advisor AOC Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a former Clinton and Eric Holder spokesperson Brian Fallon, wanting to defund our police across this country. It is extraordinary. Hold on. Pause there. She referred to AOC as a congresswoman. She said, you've got prominent congresswomen. Notably, she names some of the squad, notably AOC. She notes that in addition to being a congresswoman, AOC is a Biden advisor because frankly, it's more impressive to be a Biden advisor than it is to be a member of Congress, right? There are fewer Biden advisors than there are members of Congress, but she actually gave her the title and AOC had to invent this reason to be disrespected. The thing that's most frustrating about the AOC comment isn't even 
the, you know, constantly playing the victim, which AOC has to do, the left always has to do. It's the, just the pridefulness of it. Do you remember there was that guy, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman? He was, he's a liberal guy and he was testifying and some, some congressmen referred to him as Mr. Vindman. They all refer to each other as Mr. and Mrs., right? And Vindman said, excuse me, my, you need to refer to me as Lieutenant Colonel Vindman. Give me a break, dude. Take a freaking chill pill. Have a, try ju- I promise you, try just one little drop of humility. It will make your life better. If you live your life as someone who's very prideful and you insist on all the accolades and you insist on getting every single thing you deserve and constantly being, being praised and lauded, you will not live a very happy life. If you're just thinking about every slight that ever occurs to you, or non-slight in the case of AOC, imaginary slight, you won't be very happy. But if you try a little, just a little touch of humility, you will feel much better. You know, the, the best professors I know don't insist on being called doctor or, or professor, okay? It's always the people who are lower down the totem pole, or maybe their credentials are not as impressive, or maybe their work is not as impressive. They're the ones who insist to call me PhD, call me M- MD, or something like that. It shows insecurity and it shows a a real narcissism, but it drives people crazy. This this anger drives people crazy. There was a woman, she went viral on the internet because she was, she received an email for Trump supporters that said, hey, you know, if you donate now, you'll get a free hat. That's what, that's what the whole email said. Donate now, get a free hat. This woman has been worked up into such an angry, mad frenzy that she was convinced this was evidence that Donald Trump was Hitler and he was about to launch another Holocaust. No, I'm not exactly the voice that people need to be hearing right now. Um, In fact, I need more confirmation that this is real. I've gotten some, um, but I need more confirmation that this is real. Um, Trump supporters got an email that said that this email is for patriots only. You've been identified as one of President Trump's fiercest and most loyal defenders, and according to your donor file, you'd make an excellent addition to the Trump army. It goes on to tell them that they would get a limited edition camo, keep America great, (laughs) (laughs) to let them know that you are the president's first line of defense when it comes to fighting off the liberal mob. I don't know if you know... Hitler made Jews wear yellow stars. This feels like the reverse of that. I don't know if you know. I don't know if you know, but Hitler had a hat. He did. He, I don't know if you know this, but he, he drank water too. And Trump drinks water. And it's basically, it's basically 1930s Germany, except it's not. When I watched this, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was satire. I thought this is, this is funny. This is, this is the most ridiculous, exaggerated version of, of what the liberals do whenever Trump does anything, including give away a hat if you donate some money to his campaign. No, I was wrong. I was wrong because she clarified later in a post after this went viral that she was dead serious. Okay, so for me, at least, this one friggin' blew up. And you'll notice that I also posted some other ones all concerning the same thing, but that's not how the algorithm works, so I have been told. So here's what basically went down. Me, a Jewish woman, saw swastikas, All Lives Matter, lots of propaganda, lots of other World War II kind of Hitlery stuff. And so I also saw this email saying that Trump supporters can donate to get this hat to form an army. 
a clarifying thing that I found out from people is that just because you are a registered Republican does not mean that you got this email, but if you donated to the Trump campaign, then you got the email. Hitler did something very, very similar, but sort of in the reverse order by making Jewish people wear a yellow star, whereas now we are asking Trump supporters to distinguish themselves with the special hat. So yes, this freaked me out, and it should freak you out too, because he is identifying who to protect rather than just labeling the enemy. So, hold on. <laughs> she's defending it. She's admitting, she's like, look, I know this went viral and everything, but I know I'm serious, and here's, and here's why I reacted the way I did. I was totally right. I reacted the way I did because Hitler actually did the same thing Trump did, except it was actually the opposite. It was the opposite, but that's, the fact that it was the opposite is what's so similar about it. Because, you see, I kid, she says, Hitler made Jews wear yellow stars, which is exactly like Trump giving out hats to his supporters. And you know, you know, the craziest thing of all is if you work yourself up into this sort of emotional frenzy that a left wing political leaders have whipped their followers up into over the last few years, that actually makes sense. It actually, I know that if you work yourself up into that state though, where you're ready to go off on a, on a, a hair trigger, where you're so on edge, which by the way, we have been in this country for at least two months now with these lockdowns with everything, then any little, even remote resemblance to anything that, you know, any, basically any political action Trump could take will send you off on that hair trigger. Believe it or not, that video was not the craziest thing to go around the internet yesterday. That, that particular award goes to the Minneapolis city council president, Lisa Bender, who, who was asked point blank, if you abolish the police, what happens if crimes are being committed against you? Who do you call? And she said, oh, what, 911? 911, that's a privilege. We'll get to that in one second. First, though, I've got to thank you. I got to thank you guys. You, <laughs> we did it. We, oh, we did it. We have passed Drew Clavin on the YouTube subscribers. You know, he, he tried to beat us. He didn't even tell us that he was doing this. He got, but then we pulled ahead. We flew past with 50,000 subs. Uh, thank you so much for doing that. Really appreciate it. Uh, that'll be fun to brag about when I have a stogie with Rue next time I'm on the West Coast. Head on over to that, uh, that YouTube channel. You know, we try, to, we try to include some extra content there. I have an exclusive interview with Timothy Gordon, who's a pal of mine. He's a writer and a podcaster. He was fired for having the audacity to criticize the radical leftist Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, also, look, you know, you know how insane this whole year has been. And you know that the left-wing media has only made it worse. When you can't get the real story, you got to go outside the narrative. You got to go get the facts. That is why we want to offer to you the Reader's Pass. Now, the Reader's Pass, usually about three bucks a month, okay? Not, not going to break the bank. And you get exclusive insights and op-eds and articles and things on the website. But for you, for you, amigo, I am going to offer that for 99 cents for your first month. So head on over. That's a two-thirds, more than a two-thirds discount you get. Mobile ad-free access to the Daily Wire news, exclusive op-eds, and more on the mobile app, all for the low price of $1 for your first month. Best of all, your dollars are getting you the news you need without the left to spin. Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Join today. We'll be back with a lot more. So believe it or not, the video of the lady crying because President Trump's campaign gave their donors free hats is not the craziest thing going around the internet. The craziest thing going around the internet is this president of the Minneapolis City Council. Allison Camerata on CNN asks her, hey, wait a second. If 
someone breaks into my house to burgle me, to rape me, to harm me, to shoot me, to who do I call if you've abolished the police? We have a state action against our police department, which gives us legal mechanisms in the very short term. You know, there are lessons from all over the country, all over the world that we're looking to um, to take immediate steps while we work toward building the systems that we would need to imagine that that future. Do you understand that the word dismantle or police free also makes some people nervous? For instance, what if in the middle of the night my home is broken into? Who do I call? Yes, I mean, I I hear that loud and clear from a lot of my neighbors. And I know, and, and myself too, and I know that that comes from a place of privilege because for those of us for whom the system is working, I think we need to step back and imagine what it would feel like to already live in that reality where calling the police may mean more harm is done. What? So, where, do, where do we even begin on that one? It says, hey, what do I do if you abolish the police and I, I need the police to come there to stop the person trying to kill me or, or anything? And she says, right, that's, that's privilege. You need to understand that that's a privilege. And so, and imagine, you know, imagine the world in which, you know, the, the police coming is actually worse for you. So first of all, that's not a world. There's no world in which people call the police and then the police coming is worse for them than the criminal just, you know, continuing to attack them, take their stuff, shoot them, whatever, right? That, that world doesn't exist. That's an imaginary world. But then the, the, promise here is now nah, actually look it's it's privileged to be able to call 911 and have the cops come and stop the criminal you know imagine imagine a world that would be otherwise than that world you're living in now uh, we don't have to imagine it because you're abolishing the police so that's about to become a reality that reality is uniformly worse for everybody and only in the insane fantasy world of the left could that possibly be an improvement now some people are trying to spin this because it's so radical it's so insane this has been a demand of the black lives matter movement to defund the police to dismantle the police it is a radical insane aim that marxists have been pushing for since the time of karl marx but that no no serious person ever really thought was going to be able to be accomplished now it is going into effect People are trying to spin it. They're saying, no, we're really just talking about reform of the police. No, we're really just talking about making the police a little bit better. Uh Uh-uh, that's not what we're talking about. They clarified, this woman went back on CNN. They said, are you talking about reform? She says, no. But to be clear, you're not talking about reform. The word dismantle is intentionally different than reform. This is more than reform. This is dismantling. I mean, activists who support this are calling this a police-free future. Yeah, and you know, a lot of us were asked if we could imagine a future without police back in 2017 when we were running for office. And I answered yes to that question. To me, that that future is a long way away, and it would take an enormous amount of investment in things that we know work to keep people safe. I mean, for a lot of folks in our community, stable housing is a safety issue. Having access to healthcare is a safety issue. And so having, you know, I think one thing folks are asking is, to stop investing so much money in this militarized police force and instead invest in the things that our community really needs. So, you know, I know the statement was bold and I I stand by that bold statement, but the work ahead of us will be long. It will include every member of our community. It has to. 
the statement was bold. I stand by the bold statement. I'm not talking about reform. I'm talking about abolishing the police. Now, CNN, like at least they've got a few more brain cells to rub together than the Minneapolis City Council. So they bring her on again. They bring her on again on Chris Cuomo's show. He goes, hey, ah, lady, you're making our jobs harder. Please, like this is a utopian thing, police free. It's not going to, please just please say that that's not what you really mean. She triples down. When you say you see someday being police free, uh, that sounds aspirational in terms of a utopian concept where nobody's committing any crime. Because as long as these communities are being preyed upon, both from within and without, there's going to have to be uh, good men and women willing to step up to keep people safe. I think the idea of having a police free future is very aspirational. And I am willing to stand with community members who are asking us to think of that as the goal, because so many folks in our community have seen us work on reform. Okay, okay, so Cuomo strikes out. Camarada strikes out. Cuomo strikes out. This is crucial, guys. This is a crucial moment, because for a while, it was only the radical fringe lunatics who would believe anything like this. The kind of I've gone down to Marxist protests, okay, to film, to be part of it. And I mean, not to participate in it, but to antagonize them and to, you know, cover what's going on. And that's the kind of stuff you would hear at the radical Marxist protests. Now it is leaking into the mainstream of the Democratic Party in an election year before a party convention. They're trying to move the presidential nominee. So it is crucial for them to get these elected Democrats to stop talking about this. Camarada strikes out, Cuomo strikes out. Wolf Blitzer gives it one more try. He brings on a slightly more reasonable Democrat as well. No dice. What happens if there's a criminal out there with a gun and starts shooting people? Who's going to respond if there's no police force? Look, it is our top priority to keep every single member of our community safe. And if you look back at the last 150 years of our police department, it is becoming increasingly clear that that model of policing isn't working. So we need to invite in our whole community the nine members of the city council that came from every corner of our city to stand together to make this commitment, we don't have all the answers. And what we committed to was a community process to help reimagine public safety. So yes, we still have a police department in Minneapolis today. I hope it won't take 150 years to get to that looking forward, that next solution. But we have a lot of wisdom in our community. We have invested in community-based safety strategies. We did an analysis of all the reasons people call 911 in our city to look at ways we can have an appropriate response. Yeah, okay, so the policing isn't working, we're gonna get rid of it. I just, make sure you take this point away. The left Democrats, elected Democrats, are calling to defund, to destroy, to dismantle the police. It's not about changing it. It's not about reform. That's what they're going to tell you. Even though CNN struck out, they're going to keep telling you that. It's not what it's about. This woman could not have made herself clearer. Obviously, it's insane. The only problem with our police force right now is they're not arresting enough people. We don't need to debunk anything about, about why it's wrong to, to abolish the police. We need to debunk a different and more important lie, and it's one that's having real consequences around us. The lie is this. We were told, when we saw those videos of insane snowflakes in college, we were told, oh, don't worry about them. Just wait until they grow up and graduate and get into the real world. Then they'll realize how crazy they were. Uh, no, <laughs> that's not what happened. They graduated, they're in the real world, and now they're shaping the real world. And now the effect of having this entire generation of coddled, uncultured, uneducated people, radicalized left-wing people in the real world is, is to have the effect of changing the real world, to try to abolish the police, to do lots of other crazy things as well.
okay, we need to recognize the very pernicious effects of that craziness in college. I've been talking about this for, for a long time now, how the educational system is directly impacting our politics. Now we finally get to see it, hopefully not too late. Uh, you, I mean, you saw this at the New York Times. New York Times, uh, James Bennett, he was an op-ed editor at the New York Times. He had the audacity to publish a, a column written by sitting Senator Tom Cotton on the pressing issue of the day, how do we deal with the riots? It was a simple column. Tom Cotton said, yeah, we should use the National Guard. We should use the troops to put down the riots. That the editor who accepted that op-ed just had to resign. And the New York Times issued a statement. James Bennett resigned on Sunday from his job as the editorial page editor of the New York Times. The publisher, A.G. Salzberger, says, last week we saw a significant breakdown in our editing process, not the first we've experienced in recent years. Both of us concluded that James would not be able to lead the team through the next leg of change that is required. Now at the New York Times, the op-ed editor is not allowed to accept op-eds from people who are not radical leftists. Huge change, huge change. You think of the difference between Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the modern slate of leftists is, is noticeable. Consider this now, the op-ed page, which the point of it is to publish different people's opinions no longer allowed to publish different people's opinions. Speaking of different opinions, I do have to get to this real quick. Uh, they were, this is just on coronavirus. The World Health Organization has a new update on coronavirus. You remember we were told initially, don't wear masks, masks are bad. Then we were told you have to wear masks, masks are very important. First we were told the virus spreads easily on surfaces. Then we were told the virus doesn't spread easily on surfaces. Then we were told you can't go out because even if you don't have symptoms, the asymptomatic people are the ones that are spreading the virus. You remember that? You remember that? It was totally wrong. World Health Organization now saying that asymptomatic spread is very rare. Coronavirus patients without symptoms aren't driving the spread of the virus. We have a total breakdown here in the credibility of our mainstream media, of our political leaders, and of our public health officials. There is no reason to believe anything that these people tell you now. I wish that were not the case. I wish we could have some trust in our institutions. We simply can't. They've changed their tune every five minutes on this whole thing. Uh, before we go to another campaign that's coming out of the left right now, talking about changing their tune. This one was my favorite. This is on a part of the BLM radical left movement that we're seeing here. It's called the Silence is Consent campaign. Major celebrities, Sarah Silverman, Usher, Cara de la Vigne. I don't know who that is, but she's somebody with a blue check mark or something. They're pushing this idea. Silence is consent. Have, did you catch what's wrong with that? Did you catch the problem there? Uh, silence is most certainly not consent. Harvey Weinstein, I think, thinks that silence is consent. Maybe Bill Cosby thinks that silence is consent. But the, the, the very same left that has spent now several years in the Me Too movement talking about how there's a rape culture, there's widespread rampant rape. The campus at, at Harvard University is more dangerous for women than Fallujah because no one is getting consent. And even when women do give affirmative consent, sometimes that's not really consent and we gotta be super duper careful. That same group of people is now saying that silence is consent. Doesn't make any sense, totally contradicts what they were saying before, it doesn't matter. Why? Because anger is a very dangerous thing because people, when they get riled up and crazed and hysterical in politics, they're much more easy to manipulate, especially by people who have long-term radical goals in mind, long-term radical goals that they would not otherwise be able to affect. They can do it when they whip people into this, the frenzy that you see all the way up to the halls of Congress, all the way down to that crazy video of the lady talking about how Trump giving away free hats is basically a new Holocaust. 
What do we do about this? I visited yesterday. I'm in Washington, D.C. filming episodes of Verdict with Senator Cruz. I visited what is now called Black Lives Matter Plaza. It's the road right in front of the White House that the mayor of D.C. renamed. And there were a lot of people out there. There's a lot of graffiti, a lot of damage because of all, you know, the peaceful protesters and everything. One thing I noticed yesterday, this Black Lives Matter movement, which is, I I don't even want it, it, because it's not about Black Lives Mattering, I don't even want to call it the Black Lives Matter movement. I'll call it BLM. The BLM movement is incredibly well-funded. It's incredibly well-organized. They've raised millions and millions of dollars in just the past few days. You can Google it. And they've got a lot more money before that. Uh, they've got major donors, too. I know now the, what the left is saying is that it's a conspiracy theory to point out that George Soros, the left-wing donor, is funding a lot of this. But it, it's just simply a fact. You can look. The founders of the BLM movement all were working for organizations that were well-funded by the Open Society Foundation, which is George Soros's organization. It's not a surprise. Soros is the most prominent, influential left-wing funder in the world. So obviously, a prominent left-wing al- uh, activist movement, he's going to be funding as well. The BLM movement is just so incredibly dishonest, right? But it's effective. And it's effective in part because it's got this simple phrase, Black Lives Matter, a phrase that nobody disagrees with, right? So how do we counter that? There are two strategies. One is you can support the BLM organization, even though it's radically leftist. This is like the Mitt Romney approach, right? You say, yeah, no, I'm with you guys too. I mean, I don't want to disband the cops and destroy the nuclear family, but no, I'm with you guys. Try to be kind of a squish and go along and negotiate and come to a reconciliation with them. Or we could start a rival organization. We could learn a little bit from the left, which takes these innocuous phrases that people agree with and use those phrases to push down a radical agenda that whips people up and, and kind of allows them to, to, gives them something to hold on to. I think that's what the left, ha- uh, that's what the right rather has to do. We need to start a rival organization. Call it support black lives, call something, support black people. I don't know, something like that. An innocuous thing that we all agree with that allows us to conserve some of our culture, to push worthy goals. You know, the BLM movement is going, going to destroy the country. I mean, and by the way, if BLM fizzles out, they'll, they'll take another issue. They'll, they'll go on to gender issues or they'll go on to environmental issues or whatever, but it's going to be the same radical leftism behind it. So what we ought to do is start learning from those tactics a little bit and and give something for people to hold on to as well. Call it support black people, call it support people of color, call it support women, call it support the environment, whatever. But We've got, to, we've got to push in the other direction because it's very clear how fast this leftward lurch has been accelerating. They've been effective at convincing people to go along with it. If we don't do something, forget about pointing out all the hypocrisy, forget about pointing out how wrong it is, forget about pointing out the dishonesty. If we don't actively do something to oppose it, they're going to win, they're going to gain more left-wing ground. Look at how far they've come already. All right, that's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. 
Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. Production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. We are experiencing the collapse of journalism under the weight of social justice nonsense. Will conservatives let this crisis go to waste? We'll talk about that, and we'll talk with the best reporter in the country, Heather McDonald, on The Andrew Claven Show.